The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution, with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic... Is the Catholic Church going through an inner revolution? Meet Sister Simone Campbell and see for yourself. In 2012, the Vatican cracked down on American nuns for challenging the hierarchy and focusing on social services and equality rather than on abortion. Guilty as charged. Our guest, Sister Simone Campbell, and her organization network are Catholic sisters committed to awakening social conscience and lobbying for change. The Vatican specifically cited network so Simone seized the opportunity to launch a series of tours called the Nuns on the Bus, attracting even more attention to the many social needs American nuns have been addressing. When Pope Francis was elected in 2013, he called on Christians to become revolutionaries, caring for the poor, and now he's confronting climate change and our responsibility for it. He also met with representatives of American nuns and expressed his appreciation. Sounds like an inner revolution. Now, Simone and two other nuns are the subject of a new documentary called Radical Grace. An activist touched by spirit, she is not alone, and she's here with us today. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi, welcome, welcome to our show. I hate to disappoint you guys out there because you can't call in today. We are pre-recording because uh, this is the only way that Sister Simone could be with us today. So, you can't call. So, too bad. But... I have to admit that lately I've been having such fascinating guests, I haven't let anybody call anyway. (laughs) Anyway, before we get to Sister Simone, who I consider to be a true sister under the skin, even though I am far from Catholic, uh, I just love this woman, and I, I was just thrilled that she's with us today. But now we want to give you the news of the inner revolution. You know, what we are talking about by the inner revolution is the movement of consciousness, of people towards more oneness, sense of we're all one, and uh, more accountability for our behavior and more mutual support, recognizing that we have to support the whole and that the whole supports us. So it's a real revolution in consciousness taking place. So every week we take a look at the news. Well, since we're pre-recording, this isn't actually the week before you're going to hear it, so it's going to be a little older news than usual. But we have a couple of really hot items for you today. One is June 16th, Good Morning America reported that an amazing thing is happening in Seattle. It's called the Intergenerational Learning Center, and it's a preschool and a nursing home together. Now, can you believe this? Five days a week, the children and residents come together. It's actually a senior care center. Excuse me, I made a mistake. Um, Five days a week, the children and residents come together in a variety of planned activities such as music, dancing, art, lunch, storytelling, or just visiting. Now, there's a film that's being made about them. 
Filmmaker Evan Briggs observed a complete transformation of the elderly in the presence of the children. Moments before the kids came in, and sometimes the people seemed half alive and sometimes asleep. It was a depressing scene. As soon as the kids walked in for art or music or making sandwiches for the homeless or whatever the project that day was, the residents came alive. And there's a film called Present Perfect, and it was shot over the course of 2012-13, and there's a Kickstarter campaign. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of a revolution in the way that we segregate and we keep everybody separate. This is really more about oneness and how we can connect to and support each other. And speaking of documentaries, the filmed uh, documentary Radical Grace was just screened in the U.S. this past weekend for the first time. And this is about the three fearless nuns, one of whom is with us today, Sister Simone. I, in fact, we are going to be interviewing the director of that film at the end of the lo- July, so you're going to be hearing a lot more about it. But it's a very, very exciting film, and we are thrilled to be able to support it. In fact, we're going to be doing some screenings out here in the West. Uh, now, I also want to tell you, this, I don't know exactly what to say about it. The report is from the Huffington Post. Uh, and it comes from the Atlantic Council. And what they're talking about is harnessing social impact investing in Latin America. And the idea of it is that using, you know, private capital and intergovernmental to try to help lift everybody up. Now, I don't know how sincere they are. I don't know how polluting they are. I don't know. But it sounds like a really interesting idea, and I thought that you might be interested in hearing about it, because usually the news out of South America is uh, some drug war and somebody's been killed. And what, what's happening is that there is, there is still a tremendous amount of inequality in South America, but social impact investment is attempting to make opportunities available, especially for the young people. What they're doing is they're taking private funds and making them available. Now, here I'm going to mispronounce everything. Some of the most successful private funds include Brazil's Guerra Venture Capital, Mexico's Inia Fund. Okay, forget about my pronunciation. Anyway, Elevar, for example, has distributed $94 million to more than 11 million households for services that include microcredit, rural health, and home improvement loans. Microcredit is like lending people money so they can start their own businesses. And uh, multilateral funds like the Inter-American Development Bank's Multilateral Investment Fund have supported entrepreneurs when no one else would. Then there are the entrepreneurs themselves, such as Grupo Compartamos, the largest microfinance group in the region with nearly 2.4 million clients. And another Mexican startup offers low-cost loans for thousands of of, uh, Mexican students. So, yes, policymakers still have an essential role to play. But I think that this idea is very cool of bringing things together. And we don't know where it's all going, but it sounds like a really good development, doesn't it? Now, we have another story back here in the USA, June 23rd. And... This was reported by Reuters. This is about, and you guys might have heard about this, the battle over Confederate flag unravels across the South. Now, I'm going to quote this. Until recently, Republican Governor Nikki Haley of South Carolina had been unwilling to discuss the flag. You know, the Confederate flag, which was the symbol of the Confederacy, which is associated, some people would call it 
Southern pride, and others would call it racism and slavery. Okay, Governor Haley threw her support behind removing the flag on Monday. Now, this is the first time she's ever said a word about this. She didn't want to discuss it before. She called on lawmakers, whose legislative year wraps up this week, to address the issue over the summer and said she would order a special session if they did not. Now, you know where that's coming from. That's coming from the people getting upset and really putting pressure on the government, which is, of course, what lobbying is all about, right, one way or the other. Lobbying from the capitalists and the, the money people or lobbying from the people like us, like Sister Simone. Well, here's a quote. The change in opinion in the last day or two is like nothing I have ever seen. It's been a tidal wave, said College of Charleston political science professor Gibbs Knotts. Dylan Roof, a 21-year-old white man charged with nine counts of murder for the shooting at the church last Wednesday, had posed with a Confederate flag in photos posted online with a racist manifesto. And, you know, I think it's just awakening conscience, you know. So the Confederate flag controversy is the latest flashpoint in the year of intense debate over U.S. race relations with all of this killings of unarmed black men. And it has spawned a reinvigorated civil rights movement under the back Black Lives Matter banner. Isn't this about turning shit into fertilizer? Now, this is interesting, too. Retailers, including Amazon and Walmart, stopped selling the flag. Hundreds chant, take it down as lawmakers makers vote to open the debate and calls for Mississippi to remove Confederate symbol from its flag. Virginia stops allowing rebel flag on license plates. I mean, critics say the Confederate flag, while powerful in its symbolism, was perhaps a far simpler matter to address than the far more complex issue of racism, discrimination against African-Americans and inequality. But I think it is very indicative of the inner revolution taking place in people that we're beginning to realize that we are one and that it's, we have to treat each other all with respect and care. And the last story I'm going to share with you today is just such fun. I cannot stop myself. This was syndicated from TED.com, and it's What Can Save the Rainforest, Your Used Cell Phone. This, was sent, this article was sent to us by one of our listeners, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Well, you know, we just had a show on climate change on Tuesday, mm, June 23rd, and we were talking about the Pope's encyclical, speaking of the Catholic Church, and the Paris Conference coming up in December, and politics 2016. But this is so cool. Deforestation accounts for more greenhouse gas than all of the world's planes, trains, cars, trucks, and ships combined. Can you believe that? Deforestation, right? And it's the second highest contributor to climate change, probably after carbon Um, 50% of the world's rainforests have already been lost, guys. 50%. Also, according to Interpol, as much as 90% of the logging that takes place in the rainforest is illegal. Now, this is amazing. This is what we can do when we use our God-given intelligence and we stop just lying down and taking it and doing business as usual when we actually start confronting things and becoming activists. Engineer Topher White has discovered a cheap, fast way to fight this. Used cell phones that can pick up the sounds of chainsaws cutting trees when normally those sounds are blocked out by the loud sounds of rainforest birds and other animals. Is 
Isn't that something? Those cell phones, um, they're solar-powered and attached to a tall tree, and they send an alert to people on the ground when chainsaws are active. So remember, we're talking about people who are poaching trees. Loggers can then be apprehended and stopped before trees are cut down instead of never or long after the damage is already done. I'm, I am moved by this. Isn't that amazing? You can mail your old smartphone to these people. Check out Rainforest Connection in San Francisco, California. If you've got an old cell phone hanging around, that might help save a tree or a hundred. So there you go. That's a brief wrap-up of the news of the inner revolution and talking about an inner revolutionary who probably, I don't know if she's ever thought of herself that way, <laughs> but uh, Sister Simone Campbell is a lawyer, a lobbyist, all the good things we talked about in the introduction, and a passionate advocate for social change, not just for the poor and immigrants, but I'm sure also for the environment and any social justice issue, and she wants us to get out to vote, and she wants us to speak up, and she wants us to start taking care of one another, and we are so thrilled to invite her uh, to join us right now. Sister Simone, welcome to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. Thank you so much. Glad to be with you. So, Sister Simone, how do you feel about being called an inner revolutionary? Well, I mean, I don't think I've thought of myself that way, but I think that um, really some of the things that we're talking about um, do require a revolution because what happens is we can think in such compartmentalized ways and we get siloed in our own pet agenda, our own pet projects, when I know deeply that things are interconnected. And so I think the inner revolution, at least for me, the way I would take it, is that place of conversion where we see our connectedness and we know that we're in this together. The revolution for me is about building community. So I'd be curious to know how you think about it, but that's what I take from it. I love what you're saying. I, I think that's exactly right. I think for me, the inner revolution is the overcoming of the domination of ego on the planet. That means all that sense of separation, it's all about me, it's all for me, and that's what your book and that's what your life is all about, that it is not just for me. In fact, one of the wonderful things that I felt about uh, your book is, um, and the name of your book is A Nun on the Bus, and it is definitely still available, is that you know, you really touch our hearts that we cannot be well in a sick world and we cannot be happy in an unhappy world. And that is the idea of really getting over the idea that we're separate and that we can thrive at each other's expense so that it is more than an, a moral issue. It's a self-care issue for us to begin to look at ourselves and the way we've behaved and start thinking of ourselves as one and looking at our accountability. I think that's absolutely true. And, and I know uh, my community has sisters in the Philippines and they're just, my Filipino sisters are totally baffled at how we can think we're individuals and get so certain in our isolation because for them, they come from a communitarian culture where it is all about the the community, the group, the supporting each other. And so I know that there are other ways of being in a culture that allows for the community to be front and center. 
And uh, I keep striving that we might wake up to that in the United States. We've got a lot of working against us, but it certainly yeah. is a, an important invitation at this time. You know, the, I just want to mention to you that I have an organization called the innerrevolution.org. We are a community, too. But we don't live together, but we're a spiritual community. And we have been working for many, many years uh, teaching ourselves principles, doing healing work, which we think is really essential for us to change our fear-based based behavior, and really creating, co-creating a community based on oneness right here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the majority of the people in the community are in San Diego and are living, quote, normal lives and having to deal with children and money issues and all of that. And we are proving to ourselves and one another that with the right support, we can do it, too. Simone, we are, we are going to be going on a commercial break. And when we are back, um, I would like to ask you, what do you feel is the emotional or spiritual basis for your life and your dedication. Where do you think this came from? Because everybody sees the same problems, but not everybody comes to this realization themselves. That's why, of course, we need to build a movement to support everyone to have the realizations. But what was it about you, do you think, that brought you into this, even as a young child? So we're going to commercial break now. Stick with us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The Inner Revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution. We are privileged to be interviewing uh, Sister Simone, a one of the nuns on the bus, and, and a woman who has spent a lifetime as a 
as someone who is trying to advocate for social justice. Uh, so I was just asking, Sister, to... Uh, is it okay if I call you Simone? Oh, sure. That's fine. Okay. Simone, um, what do you think it was about you, your life, that brought you to this realization so young that we have to care for each other? Um, I, I think that's a really good question. I've tried to figure it out. I, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think part of it is is that I grew up in a family where I had a sister a year and a half younger than I, and we were really close, so I always knew it was us. Mm -hmm. And so at a very young age, I remember my dad saying to me, well, now take care. He would go off to work in the morning and kiss me goodbye, and he'd say, take care of your mom and take care of your little sister. And somehow I, I was a serious kid, and I took that <laughs> seriously. So from a very early age, I was... Uh, I knew I had to take care of more than myself, and um, it, it created this, it planted the seeds for now the work that I do um, more broadly in society. But I think the other piece it was that I, when I did take care of my mom and my sister, I found it so enriching. It made me a bigger person and a better person that that then became positive reinforcement for continuing to do it. That sounds like it because how many people do you think I could be interviewing today who said yeah they told me to take care of my sister and I got really mad because I wanted to go out and play or I wanted to <laughs> date right you know what I mean <laughs> oh yeah but I figured out how to take my sister out to play that's how oh, I worked it out <laughs> but isn't that brilliant because mm -hmm. you know we have a a, a, a a platform. We, uh, I've written a book called Living with Reality, and it has nine platforms. And each one of them is a way of shifting our consciousness. And one of them is called Becoming Mutually Supportive. And the idea of mutual support is that we ask, we pray for what is for the highest good, including us. Because I think so many of us have been given the idea that if we care for others, that we are sacrificing and that we should sacrifice because that makes us moral. But we are not trained to realize that we need to do what is for the highest good of all and that always includes us because we are part of that oneness and so I really feel even though you don't use the same words you know as I'm hearing you and as I was reading uh your book uh and certainly, you know, as I watched that film, oh, my God, Radical Grace, I cried the whole time from the beginning mm. to the end. <laughs> That's I love good. it. No, that film is just amazing. Um, you know, that you get it on some level that you're not happy and you're not well if, you know, other people are suffering. And that ability to take your sister out to play with you meant that you didn't have to suffer the guilt of seeing someone else's suffering at your expense, but that you were creative enough to find a way to incorporate everybody's well-being. Well, you know, as you say that, I, I realize that th there's a story that's in the book about when I was in fifth grade and the bossy sixth grade girls were bossing us around. So my girlfriend and I organized a, a club of fifth grade girls <laughs> so that we could lobby to get our own place in the playground. But the thing that was so important for me as a fifth grader was that all of the fifth grade girls were part of the club. Nobody was left out. And yes. that really has become a, a theme for me, that there's room for everyone. And now in our political work, it is really true that when in our nation we say we the people of the United States, we don't say 
we the ones who are really special, we the folks who got here first, we the really rich folks. Yeah. It's all of us together. And that's where I think the big change in our society is needed, that yes. we wake up to the fact that we need everyone together to make a society work. We can't leave anyone out. Well, it's so true because the guy driving in the car next to you who's the cocaine addict who is not treated could kill you. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, uh, you know, I always say you can't clean the air over one house in Los Angeles. You know, if we're going to breathe, <laughs> we or have to fix do one, one bridge, your own special bridge. Right. <laughs> you know, or, I'm going to yes. go fill my pothole. Or, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, rugged individualism. Yeah, just how long would the rugged individualist survive without the roads? Without the buses, without the planes, without the post office, you know, without somebody making their clothes and growing their food. It's kind of a ludicrous uh, delusion right, that right. we even are individuals, so that we even exist as individuals, that we would be ourselves if we grew up all by ourselves, we wouldn't even be us. Now, that's a good point. Well, I think one of the things we have to do is recover the truth about the founding story of our nation and uh, Ronald Reagan in the 80s, I'm old enough to remember that, that he, <laughs> me too, changed, me too. <laughs> he changed the founding story from being a community of pilgrims and a community that went out west and a community that built our nation. He changed it to being the guy on a horse who rode out west all by himself. Well, yeah. that's wrong. It's not true. It was yeah. a wagon train. You couldn't circle one wagon. <laughs> And if you did a, if you gave a barn raising, you couldn't do it all by yourself. Yeah. What if nobody yeah. showed up or a quilting bee and nobody came? I mean, yeah. it's all about community, and that's what we need to recover in our society. And moneyed interests are trying to keep us from knowing that, because oh, as bet. long as we think we have to consume separately and that's our identity, then that reinforces individualism. We have to step away from that. I totally agree with you. I mean, <clears throat> even as a child, I'm about, I'm 70. So I, I was alive, you know, in the 50s. <laughs> right. And, uh, right. And uh, I know, you know, I've shared a little bit about this with our audience in the past, about what it was like then and what it took to actually say anything about anything. And uh, you could not question capitalism. I mean, now we have a democratic socialist running for president. But if you said anything, you were arrested. I mean, I was reported to the FBI as a child. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh, you've always been dangerous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I try. I really try. So, uh, but, you know, I think your story and what you're talking about would be to include the Native Americans, too, because it's not just that we see the community have to protect ourselves about, from those nasty Indians. There wouldn't have been all those nasty Indians if we had been in the oneness with the Native Americans when we got here. Right, right. That's so true. And the Native American or the uh, American Indian Museum here in D.C. has this amazing exhibit about the various treaties and how collaborative settlers and Indians were in the beginning and how the original treaties really were about weaving our populations together until it got to the issue of private property and dominance. And that was really the definer that started creating the divisions 
um, as uh, people came wanting to claim their property because the Indians had this perspective of uh, managing or caring for Mother Earth that was yeah. very collaborative and shared. So uh, in the beginning, we got the idea, but then we wanted more. And we, we have a lot to work out on that front. Well, I, uh, you know, that is fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating. I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't have that, that whole picture. And uh, I think the fact that we were this, the quote, new world was colonized by, you know, imperialistic capitalist ventures when the when the uh, Europe was going through its own uh, revolution, capitalist revolution, is probably w where this whole mentality came from that created this illusion that we're separate. Now, one of the questions that I have for you then is um, the Catholic Church itself was founded by Jesus. I mean, he didn't actually found the church, but he did well, his revolution is what created the Catholic Church. And do you find that it was also more egalitarian when it started? Oh, of course, of course. Because Jesus' approach was everything was about love and walking towards everyone with love, even if that person was the enemy. And that is probably the most revolutionary thing that could be done, is yeah. where a person who... Uh, wants to do you harm and you respond with love is an awareness that's much deeper than your um, your individual self that we are in relationship with each other no matter what and the Catholic Church is attempting to um, you know, embody that teaching into the future uh, Pope Francis right now is doing a an amazing job uh, his recent letter on the environment uh, uh, it's the subtitles are care for our common home in there he calls on us to create a politics of love which I yeah. think in our uh, political reality here in the United States would be fairly radical rather than divisiveness and name-calling to really come together and try to hold the other as uh, in con in our concern and try to do common problem-solving yeah. Wasn't that a radical revolution? Oh, my God, exactly. You know, what I, I remember, in the, yeah, I, I had a very checkered life. So I was on, uh, I was on disability because I'm, I'm actually disabled. So I was on disability. I tried to get welfare. And I saw the horrible, what, what, it ha what happened when you went to the welfare worker and she had to say no or he had to say no. And they both knew that it was unfair. You right. could see how it was destroying them to say no to a person who is truly in need. And the idea that we have to be polarized is nonsense because that means that we're not acknowledging that in our hearts we really feel it when we hurt each other. A and that the, some of the sickest people in the world are the wealthiest ones who have <laughs> to see what they're doing and where their money comes from and the suffering of others and they have to carry that guilt and that makes them sicker, I think, and makes them even more self-indulgent as they try to get away from that feeling. So I think the essence of oneness is there and isn't it, well, I wanted to ask you this, I mean, there's so many questions coming to my head, but the first <laughs> thing I think I need to ask you is, you here you are going along doing what you think is... Jesus' 
you know, is what he wants you to do. And then you, not just you, but the other nuns are starting to, it's back in 2009, I think it was, start getting reprimanded for doing what you believe is living the gospel, as you call it, and being, by the way, being guided by Holy Spirit. Uh, we don't use the word Holy Spirit, but we call it divine guidance or, you know, higher consciousness. Uh, you know, we are so, you don't know how similar we are, but I did because I, I read you. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, I mean, how did that feel when you think you're doing the right thing and then suddenly you're slapped down? Or did well, you expect it? Oh, no, I didn't expect it. But I knew we were making um, many conservative Catholics in the United States who are fairly moneyed and contribute a fair amount of money to the church. I knew there were a lot of complaints about our work to the Vatican. And there was a culture uh, in which it was uh, the, the very conservative thought they could write direct to the Pope and the Pope would straighten us out. And apparently the Pope and the uh, Vatican officials read those letters and paid attention to them. And that was the source of the criticism and the investigation. I think I was really surprised and hurt By that. the way, just for people's information, that was not Pope Francis. That is not no, the current no. Pope. Yeah. Yeah, it was Pope John Paul II and then Pope Benedict. But yeah. the, um, Pope Benedict is the one who in, uh, initiated it before he was Pope and then uh, furthered it once he'd been elected Pope. So um, I think I was really surprised that a few lay Catholics in the United States could create such havoc um, and to question the amazing work that we have been doing. I also think that there was a piece, I mean, if you want to get psychological about it, yes. where bishops um, who had been struggling with the pedophile issue and yes. are not being held in very high esteem, then would see Catholic sisters held in high esteem and I think they were a little bit jealous, maybe, somewhere, and that that also precipitated some. They had to take us down a peg or two. And uh, basically, mm -hmm. I figured they just wanted what people were giving us. They wanted for themselves. They just got a little misguided in how they did it. I love that insight. That is so interesting. Uh, there was a bishop that was being interviewed in the Radical Grace film, uh, who was talking about, he was, I think, the one who was really the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, uh, who was going to straighten you guys out. And uh, Chris Gink uh, is a nun who's asking for equity for women in the Catholic Church, like ordination and so on. And he said, you know, Jesus only had male disciples, and we are men. And that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's such a narrow view. And, but the other piece is, I, ha I have a friend who points out that in the New Testament, and it was Mary Magdalene who first knew that Jesus was risen. She runs and tells the, the apostles, yeah. and the apostles don't believe her So um, until they had their own experience. So it's sort of like it continues. The, maybe the guys have to be the leaders because they're the slower ones. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we are going to break now, and but uh, stick with us because there's more to come with Sister Simone Campbell. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The Inner Revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Okay, welcome back to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution. We are interviewing Sister Simone Campbell, one of the nuns on the bus. Uh, And what we're going, I could talk to her for days, but, uh, you know, time will not allow. So what I'd like to do is give her a chance now to talk about her current work and uh, her organization network. And uh, let's just start with that. Simone? Great. Um, Well, we're really excited because uh, Pope Francis is coming in September and the work that we do here at Network, where your listeners can find it, networklobby.org is all about trying to get these policies, principles that we talk about um, of that we're all in this together, that we're about community, to help create federal policy that includes that awareness. And so what we're working on right now, especially, is trying to what we call mend the gaps. Mend the gap in income and wealth disparity mend through several policies, one of which is tax policies, uh, but also... Um, 
in critical areas such as uh, access to housing, uh, our concern for health care, and making sure that people not only have access to health care, but that we end some of the health care disparities between uh, both the Anglo community, the European-American community, and communities of color. Um, it's those types of issues that we work on Capitol Hill to make a difference on. And yeah. we have members all over the country that are a part of it. And what we know from Pope Francis's latest letter is that the environment and the creation of people in poverty are both about the same exploitation. And that it's exploitation of each other and of our earth yeah. that we have to end. It's that huge challenge that we work on in federal policy here in D.C. and around the country. Are you going to be uh, meeting with the Pope? Or <laughs> I you, don't know. I you don't so. know. Oh, wouldn't that uh, well, be well, we're really excited that the Pope is coming and he's going to talk to Congress. So what we're going to be doing over the summer is gathering stories from our, our people all over the country with pictures showing how we respond to the needs of those who are left out. And uh, in our communities, in wherever we are, and we're going to gather those stories, organize them by state, and then use those stories to lobby on Capitol Hill. But also what we're hoping to do is to give the Pope a summary of who we are in the United States and how we're responding to his call to care for the most marginalized and how we're trying not to be exploiters and to change our heart. So... I was just at the White House uh, having a conversation with I – was, I mean, it's so amazing I could say this. I was at the West Wing of the White House having a conversation uh, with some of the staff about what might be possible to uh, let Pope Francis know that, one, we appreciate his leadership um, and especially his ending the censure of the Catholic Sisters, but also how hard we are working in the United States to really change our ways so that we do care for everyone, including the Earth. Now, are you when you say we in this? Are you talking about the the nuns, uh, the work that the nuns are doing, or people in general? Oh, people in general. We describe ourselves. Oh, well, okay. First of all, network. Our organization was founded by Catholic sisters forty three years ago, and so uh, Senator Kennedy, when he was still alive, and a bunch of the old time senators called us the nuns' lobby. But what happened was that we've become much bigger than that. We, we are now describe ourselves as rooted in Catholic social teaching, open to all who share our passion. And mm. what we know is that our mission and ministry really apply. I mean, you've commented so often about how we're very much in sync in the way we think about things. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is find ways of including all those who share our perspective, our passion, without requiring doctrinal assent, because it's much broader. The, the, the fact is, common sense calls us to community, and so that's what we're trying to build, is a community that cares for the 100%. No one should be left out of our care. That's what we're about. Networklobby.com, right? Uh, dot, org. Dot, dot org. org. Okay, forget what I just said. Networklobby.org. If you have any interest, check it out. This is so exciting. Oh, could I add one thing? Of course. I also encourage people to follow me on Twitter. I'm a mad Twitter person. So (laughs) uh, my uh, handle on Twitter Twitter is SR underscore Simone, S-I-M-O-N-E. So uh, I'm trying to build up my Twitter following. 
Very good. Well, we're going to be putting this uh, interview out on our social media, and people will hear about it, people who don't already know about you and the work that you're doing. I would like to say something also. Uh, I don't know. But I just feel like I should say this. You know, I have had so many clients because I'm a counselor as well as a spiritual teacher, and I do videos and so on. But as a counselor, I have had so many uh, clients who came in bashed by the Catholic Church. You yeah. know, they were, they were uh, shamed. They're, everything was about sin. You mentioned in your book that you were never clobbered by a nun, but many of my uh, clients were. And I love this. This is who sisters really should be and are, obviously. And I was so impressed by the work that uh, that the uh, the women religious have done in our country that I wasn't aware of because we definitely see the other side, but this is so important. And um, it's so healing, I think, and I'm trying to tell all my former Catholic... <laughs> uh, That's you know, good. In fact, when we go out to try to... We're going to try to do a screening of Radical Grace uh, here and uh, in, I mean, in California and in... Uh, Arizona, we're reaching out to Catholics and ex-Catholics and saying, you know, this is there too because the essence of every religion and every spiritual belief system is this, is what right. you're doing. Um, what I call it is it's, I, I, I'm not my brother's keeper, I am my brother. Mm. And that's, that is what God has told me because I hear God too. <laughs> my own, Absolutely. You know, and um, this, and there are people who are deeply devoted, like you, and you see it in the in the film, and you see it in this movement. People who are deeply devoted to what God is truly calling us to, and that we've gotten so caught up in hierarchy and ego. It's not just capitalism; it's every system where we're trying to gain an advantage over anybody else. It corrupts us, it corrupts our soul, and it blocks us from that message of oneness. And what you're doing is so important. And, and I really want Catholics who are hearing this to feel something, you know, a warmth in their heart that there was some uh, beautiful value in the religion that they also felt, because I think every child in the Catholic Church has that moment of feeling the divine, and so many left because of, of uh, you know, all kinds of social policies sure. and politics and all of that. Absolutely. Well, you know, one thing that I, um, Pope Francis uh, has said in this new encyclical is that, um, the I'll just quote it here, it's, uh, the external deserts in the world are growing because the internal deserts have become so vast. For yes. this reason, the ecological crisis is also a summons to a profound interior conversion and I, I think that's really what you're talking about is that yes. we have to move beyond the hurt. The hurt can actually be a gateway to opening us up to deeper places, but we have to have the courage to look at it. Well, and I also believe we have to have the healing sometimes. To oh, do it. absolutely. You, you absolutely. know, some people are so destroyed by the experiences they have that even though I believe in our hearts that we all feel the same things. You know, I, I was brought up in a Jewish family, but then I became a socialist at a young age. And then I founded my own spiritual organization because nothing really fit me. <laughs> but yeah. it didn't really matter. You know, I feel that connection with anyone who 
hears that call, whether they think they're atheists, it does not make any difference. And But so many people have been so beaten down and have had so many traumas early in their lives that without deep healing, some people just can't make it. And I, I feel the sadness for all the people that we can't reach. Yeah, that, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, is there anything? Uh, is there going to be another on nuns on the bus tour, or is it this? Or, or, or are you done with the sweating at a big bus? Well, I, I think that's the the. I keep thinking the bus is over. I never thought we'd have a second one. <laughs> We've now done three plus a bunch of little ones in different yeah. states. Um, my hunch is there probably will be another bus. We were just talking that. Some people think there really needs to be a bus to welcome Pope Francis when he comes in September. I don't know about that. That That's getting kind of close. So we'll see how that works out. But the this idea of mending the gaps, of healing our society, pulling us together and working for policies, a government that solves problems as opposed to polarize, is something yeah. that we care deeply about. So I would imagine in 2016 we'll do something with that. Whether we have a bus before now and that, before then, uh, I don't know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> so I have to ask you this. How do you stay in a loving space with people whose policies are not only abhorrent to you, but that you see are hurting so many people? Oh, I, well, let me just talk about my, my sort of relationship with Paul Ryan, who's a congressman from Wisconsin. Yes. Um, I, I really disagree with his analysis, with his perspective. But you know what? He's, he's a person, too. And so yeah. the what I've worked at is to care for him and not see myself as fighting against him, but rather fighting for a vision. So I keep looking for a way... <laughs> to share the that if we could come together to share the vision of what we want, then I think we could get closer on policies to implement it. So it really is not fighting against, because that just reinforces the other person, but it's fighting for this vision where all are welcome, where everyone's at the table, where all can live in dignity, where people have meaningful jobs and can you know, feed their families with their wages and don't have to depend on safety net programs even though they're fully employed. It's those kinds of things. Yeah. But the yeah. the challenge is is to care for him enough to get him to relax so that he doesn't feel like he's fighting with me and yes. then we can talk about the places that we hold in common. You know, you you are quoting me. <laughs> well, that's good. You are quoting me. You didn't know it of course. Uh, you didn't need me to hear it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I talk about the dark side, which is all that negative energy, and that we should never fight the dark side. We should fight for something. So it's oh, like good. we're listening. Oh, I, I mean, we are listening to the same guy up there. or In fact, woman, <laughs> woman exactly. Well, you would be horrified, I think, if you heard my vision of God is that, well, God is evolving and isn't perfect, so we should stop feeling so ashamed of ourselves. And God's got to have some accountability for this mess that she, he made. And we need help, <laughs> and lots of it. Simone, <laughs> what would you like to share last? Because we are practically out of time. Um, I think what I encourage everybody to is to do is to what I call grocery store missionary work. Wherever you stand in line, uh, talk to the person in front of you, behind you, about something that matters to you, about 
uh, for me, it's always about uh, either you know minimum wage or immigration reform or ending the polarization in our community. And just ask the person in front of you or behind you uh, what they think about it. Then you have to listen. You can't just be Ooh, waiting. No, for no, no. And then you have to listen. <laughs> but then what you do after you've listened is then uh, that part I call holy curiosity is the listening. But then what you have to do is sacred gossip. Let other people know what you heard. Let people know what matters to people, what are on people's hearts. Yeah. And in this way, we can really, in a really practical, simple way, everybody can help build our community. We need everybody to do this, to have serious conversations. Oh, yes. And you know what is so easy to talk about now is the weather. <laughs> you know, it is gotten, you know, it's change. gotten so easy to talk about climate change because everybody is pretty much is suffering. Uh, not as much as they're suffering in Bangladesh, but we're all suffering from the weather. Well, Simone, I have loved having you on the show. And if there is any way that we uh, can help, that uh, Inside Out, the Interrevolution can help, Please let us know. Uh, we are all sisters and brothers under the skin, and we're trying to do exactly the same thing, which is to help create an inner revolution which will express itself in our world. So, James, uh, before we do the close, uh, would you please tell us what's coming up next week? Yes, this is a natural follow-on from this discussion. What do we do when it's hard to love? Love and oneness in the real world. What if your kid has dropped out of rehab yet again and you've already mortgaged your house? What if your business partner has stolen all your assets? What if your lover or mate is having an affair or has simply withdrawn emotionally? Yeah, yeah. What if, what if, <laughs> <laughs> yes. What if your political opponent has launched a bogus smear campaign against you, etc., etc., etc.? And uh, how should you respond? How do you love and should you? Is there a place for anger, even rage? What does anger do to you and to your world? And how do you overcome it? And what if you don't? It's easy to talk about love and oneness, but does that really mean? But, but what does that really mean? Is there a difference between love and oneness? What if it's hard to love? Tune into this important discussion led by host Beth Green, who will help us look at the meaning of love and oneness in the real world. For this show, you are our guest, so call in and share. And now a final word from Beth. I feel so supported by Sister Simone, by Network, by all uh, the nuns on the bus, by the women that you will see in Radical Grace. I, I feel so supported by so much that is going on on the planet. We are not alone, and we are here to bear witness to that and to get the encouragement. This is what will give us courage. Not everybody was born to be Joan of Arc, but having each other is what will help all of us move forward. Thank you so much, Simone. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Think outside the box and have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 